Where would this world be without you? You are significant, vital, and necessary. And you're probably so busy taking care of everyone and everything that you're starting to feel a little invisible or unheard. But your voice matters. It's time to unlock doors and shine light on the chaos so you can be all you were meant for. Here's the host of Your Voice Matters, Rebecca Dollinger. Hi, I am Rebecca Dollinger. I am the host of Your Voice Matters. I encourage and inspire women to speak up, speak out, and stand in their own power. Today, we have this amazing woman with us, Christina Dollinger. She's all about science, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome, Chris. It's really good to see you. Hello. Really good to see you, too. Well, I'm really kind of um, wondering, since you're a biomedical anthropologist, you know, how does that exactly fit into, and that's related to business? Uh, well, we can be in almost anything, honestly. Um, we do a, a lot of different jobs. We have a very varied background in academia. We study science and different cultures, and we really have a very diverse background. So we can work in hospitals. We can do health and social safety policies. Um be data analysts. Uh, we even have that kind of computer background in statistics and statistics software. So we can even do all sorts of data analysis for all sorts of companies. Um, it's it's very varied. So it really depends on the the business and the type of job. Well, awesome. I mean, it seems like it's in so many things that we use every day, which is you know most people don't think about that. But with this current climate we have, how would you see like science fitting into struggling businesses? You know, there, can they have an edge using some of the science things that come out of the biomedical industry? Um, I, I would certainly think so. I think the big thing is the work environment. And that's a lot of the topics that environment, like anthropologists study is environmental. So how is your work environment? Um, even if it's something as simple as what color are the walls? Like normally like beige is not usually a very, <laughs> very uplifting color. But if you have a very warm and welcoming, a very safe and healthy work environment, your employees are going to want to come into work. They're going to stay with you longer. And of course, you're going to want to come into work. And, you know, everyone's going to be healthier and they're going to be more productive and more efficient. So even if it's something as simple as the paint on the walls or, you know, providing health care for your workers full-time or part-time, getting to know them, their health needs, and knowing exactly what they need for that kind of health insurance plan. Or, you know, simply changing out fluorescent lighting because that can be bad for your eyes and it can affect mental health. So, you know, easy, basic stuff like that can can really help because if your employees like it, if it's a healthy environment, they will stick around. Of course, you know, everybody wants to be healthy. And, you know, I'm, for me, for instance, I hate it when I'm sick. You know, I just, that is something I don't, I don't get, I don't get sick very often. So I think I have a good, good immune system, but there's also things that we can, that uh, I know they can do that actually protects your immune system. You like Southwest Airlines and they actually put in this, this filter that actually filters all the air like every 20 seconds. And I'm sure you can talk about that and, and how that would, would help people's health every day. Yes, air filters are very important. They're very important that they're changed. Um, 
it sounds like something like that intense that it, it cleans the air every 20 seconds is maybe a bit expensive. It's a bit more high tech than most people can afford. Um, especially, I guess, if you're just starting a business, that's that might be a bit much. Just you know, simply checking air filters, seeing if it, your employees have allergies or anything like that. And I know where I work, we sometimes work with fungal spores, and so it's it's always a constant battle for us, and it's something that nobody thinks about really until until they see it. But like fridges, the break room fridge is always like the worst one. Uh, you know, people, especially since everyone's in quarantine and they haven't been to work, when you come back, if you forgot to clean out the fridge, you may be in trouble. Mold spores are just, they're very persistent and it's something that certainly the filters would help with. And it's just to keep on top of that, make sure fridges are cleaned out. If there's any water damage, once again, you know, try and get someone to come in and check that out. Um, just basic things like that. It's especially that's an example we do a lot uh, where I work because it's just it's it's a constant battle when you actually sit down and actually do experiments with these things. <laughs> well, that's kind of curious because I was just kind of thinking through my head, if, you know, if I had to do that, what would I use? Do you use ammonia? Do you use um, alcohol? Do you have a special uh, something that like a, a small business owner could use? Uh, I think the basic protocol is using bleach, really. Okay. Uh, there's some things you can't use bleach on, but bleach takes care of most things. Okay. If it's very, very severe, either if you can get rid of it, get rid of it. Yeah, I think bleach is probably the best option. Well, I was just wondering because that sounds like something I would use. But you know what? That If you think about it, when people are starting to reopen, people are really like really in competition with each other. Because, you know, they've been out of work and they really want everybody to come to their place. So if they had these things instilled in their, uh, in their restaurant or in their coffee shops and stuff like that, wouldn't you rather go to a coffee shop that has like cleaner air filters or <laughs> cleaner spaces that you feel healthy about and that, you know, that you can actually sit and visit with friends? It, yes, I would agree with that. It, you can actually use it as a selling point. Even if it's just a simple sign you made like on the side of the door, that's really big letters like, oh, hey, we, we've got these fancy air filters, like the air is clean, like it's okay, you can come in. That's, that's definitely a good selling point because if people feel safe, they're definitely going to come in. And I think that's the biggest thing you could, you could have right now is just making clients, customers, whoever it is you're serving in the community, even, you know, of course, your employees and you their families, everyone really just needs to feel safe. So that is definitely a big selling point. Profitable businesses depend on structure and messaging to engage a hungry market with exactly what they need. Your messages will improve. But if your website structure and processes don't make it easy for customers and clients to understand your value, you're missing out on new opportunities and analytics, reach, and ultimately sales. Does this sound like you? It's time for you to outsource your digital content management to zero to 60 marketing. Lots of content requires specialized organization to be effective. Complex, technical organization that's often missed or delayed while you serve your paying customers. The big problem with this approach is new customer opportunities are getting ignored. 
Zero to 60 Marketing discovers the holes and repairs the breach. Zero to 60 Marketing directs and manages content projects, pulling the pieces together to make new profitable processes possible. Call 920-257-4944. Outsource your digital marketing development. Your future will thank you. That's 920-257-4944 today. What I would think if, you know, as a business owner myself, the thing, I would start making policies for my business. And I think that's the last thing a lot of business owners think about is having these policies in place. What I've noticed is the ones that really succeed, you know, starting a business or continuing a business after being shut down for a while is hard. There's no other way around it. It's just hard. If they had policies in place to address either the health and how do you engage your employees have to be retrained and stuff like that. And I actually think that what you're really talking about, this is how the biomedical, just the biomedical knowledge and science that you have will help with the co- within this transition that we're going through right now. Actually, you're talking about investing in your business. And these are things I think that won't go away for a long time. I mean, they will continue if we didn't have this virus or not, you know, they will continue. These are the things you really actually have to do to be a successful business person. And I think that's a great point to make. And I noticed you mentioned data management and stuff like that. But the thing I was thinking, that's really easy to do, isn't it? You know? You um, can- it, it depends. It, it really does depend. If some of the programs, like the, the statistics stuff is very expensive, um, it depends on what your needs are. If you're a small company, you can probably get by with Excel. If you're a little bit larger, maybe you could use Python or SPSS, which is uh, a lot what social scientists use to understand patterns and behavior. Uh, like if you send out a survey to your clients about how their service was or how the product was, you could put a number to each one of those responses, like one for yes, two for no. And then you could code those numbers into the program and then look and see if there was a pattern there. Was there a a problem with the service or the product? Is there something more specific people want? They can be very expensive, um, but if you can afford it and you can have continued education courses available for people to learn that software, it would probably really help with understanding, you know, your clients and your, your services. I totally agree. And, you know, I think this will help your bottom line. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Um, because that's, you know, you're giving people intangible things in a way, but you're also giving them tangible things. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're non-tangibles and tangibles. So I think that's uh, actually a big benefit. Now, training, um, you can do like right now, you can do a lot of training at home, right? As far as, you know, safety training or... Yes, yes. I know my where I work currently, we have like safety training every year, but it's all online. You, of course, have to be on the clock to do it. But since everyone's already home, they're working from home, it would be a great thing to implement. I, I think I think it would be very good for people's mental health and how that work-life balance is so important and that flexibility is that maybe when you have these training periods where you need the um, anti-discrimination training or the health and safety training, um, you can have people do that from home. Just spend a day working from home. So then that way, you know, it's audio and not only visual so that maybe they can do some extra stuff while they're listening and taking the training 
And I think that that's, it's, that's a good idea. I think people definitely need to, to implement is more online stuff that people can do from home because it actually helped quite a bit. Thank you for that thought, Chris. We'll be right back. We need to say kudos to our sponsor. So see you in a few minutes. The American business economy is positioned as it has never been before. Professional videography is a core element for attracting a higher level of engagement with the people group you need for significant impact. Now is your time to shine. My name is Bill Brock, owner of White Rock Films, and I invite you to a powerful opportunity in the marketplace, an opportunity to draw excited people to your events, an opportunity to showcase your ideas on infrastructure, an opportunity to become known as the industry authority and enjoy the associated benefits of a strong, influential brand. Video highlights, video teaches, video puts a resistant market at ease, and video stirs the hearts and imaginations of your allies and strategic client base. White Rock Films offers full audio, video production for businesses ready to embrace the future, handling your project with professionalism, experience, and polish unheard of in the industry. My name is Bill Brock, and White Rock Films wants your business. See us online at whiterockfilms.com. Now, Chris, now you're a really certified archaeologist, right? Yes. And uh, can you tell us about the discovery you made in Ellis County? That one, yes. Um, actually, I did not discover it. It was the owners of a sand and gravel lot in Ellis County, and they were just going about their day, just, you know, digging, and they accidentally hit the skull of the skeleton and they called in the Navarro County, some people from their community college to come in. And I happened to see it and I, I volunteered. When I got there, they had gotten most of the skeleton uncovered. And it's it was amazing. It was this almost fully intact, like juvenile, like Colombian mammoth. Um, it Oh, it was, she was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, it's very rare to find uh, something like that. Normally skeletons, you get weathering from like rain and wind or, you know, predators get to the, the body and they eat it. And sometimes the bones are crushed and they're spread everywhere. And you don't get that kind of pristine preserved specimen usually so it was extremely rare and it was very cool because the Perot museum got interested because the the owners wanted to give it to the museum instead they wanted it to be an educational thing so they came out with their camera crew and everything and i was just digging and they were like taking pictures and they're like oh stand next to the mammoth and and <laughs> do all this and uh it was it was a lot of fun it was very educational and it was it was such an honor to actually be doing something that was that's actually very rare <laughs> very rare actually and it was it was amazing and i was the only archaeologist there i believe that was also very interesting i was surrounded by paleontologists and biologists <laughs> and, uh, and our backgrounds are very very different so it was it was a nice collaboration and now it's sitting in the Perot museum for everybody to enjoy and go say hi to ellie may <sighs> well i hear that her name is called ellie may so can you tell us why they named her that um, she was found in Ellis County, so Ellie, in the month of May, I believe. So they just kind of combined the two. And now it's a sub-adult, mm -hmm. so that means it's what? How many years old? Uh, she was around 20, which for a mammoth is not an adult, still kind of kid, maybe teenager-ish. 
mm-hmm. um, as far as we can tell. So she she was not fully grown, which is also kind of sad. Um, she hadn't lived a very full life. Um, and when the Perot paleontologist took her back to the museum and, and got the bones cleaned up, they found that one of her toes had actually, it was, looked really mangled and they didn't know entirely why until they cleared off some more of the dirt and realized she probably died of a toe infection. It became systemic and it probably went through her bloodstream and, and ended up killing her, unfortunately. Um, but to find that evidence too is extremely rare and <laughs> I, I couldn't believe we actually lucked out and found an intact mammoth. And then we po- found like a possible cause of death. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> so evidently she fell. Is that what happened when she like fell? And then, I mean, I, I guess she got covered up really fast because uh, she was fully intact. Mm-hmm. So the point I was getting over, because otherwise she would have been you know right yeah um it turns out there was a lot of what i understand there was a lot of landslides and mudslides that happened in that area about forty thousand years ago about um so she was she she died and was well actually it sounds really strange but lucky enough to get covered up by a landslide so predators could not get to her and she wasn't sitting out in the sun so it it helped preserve the body (laughs) i think one thing you mentioned to me is which is very odd, and a lot of people don't know it, is in the state of Texas, when you find something on your land, it is yours. Other states say, no, it's the state's. So the landowner had, the, he was the one that actually made the choice to to give it to the Ross Perot Museum here? Yes, yes. They, they got offers from all these rich business people who wanted to take it, but they were like, you know what? I think this is this is more of an educational thing. You know, this is more of a, a history of, of the state itself. Well, I hear that you had a special, um, when they opened the muse- opened her up for the museum and everything, there was a special, uh, all the ones that worked on the, on the dig actually got to come in for a preview. Yes, we we did, and that was that was really great. That was also a really nice honor. Um, so they had set it up where it was like she was still in the ground because when we first, when everybody first saw her, even the camera crews that came, the news crews, everybody just gasped and went, "Oh my god, she's so beautiful! She's so beautiful!" Um, which is a very strange thing to say about a skeleton, but when it's just so perfect like that, and the museum wanted to capture that awe, so they put her in this little alcove and it's almost like she's still in the in the ground but it's very awe-inspiring because you can see now how big she really is like i've it's been a while but it's like hummer-esque size like she's very large (laughs) (laughs) um so it's it's really nice where they set it up where there's bright lights you can definitely see the detail and if you want to see more they installed cameras like in the corners so you can actually move the cameras and see all the details. You can go around, behind, up, down, and you can see all these intricate details and the, the fossil, the, the bones and everything. Oh, that is super cool. Local DFW businesses, advertising keeps your businesses front and center in the marketplace. The OBBM network offers targeted reach into the markets you want to dominate. Advertise on the OBBM network for radio, podcast, and television exposure directly where you want it. Area chambers and people groups value knowing service providers they can trust for themselves and trust when giving quality referrals. Advertising strategically is key to successful ROI. 
Discover what local DFW business advertising on the OBBM network can do for you. Call 214-714-0495 to find out more today. And go to theoffbeatbusiness.com to download your free copy of the definitive local business digital media guide. That's 214-714-0495, offbeatbusiness.com. I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, I know that working on that has to f- affect you, right? I mean, as an archaeologist, you know, you have to tell her story, how she lived, how she died, and sort of like give her a voice. Yes, I, I agree completely. And it was it was very emotional for me because I was around the same age. I was in my, my early 20s. And to think of about me dying that young before I had a time to actually live life and people are like, well, Chris, it's a, it's a mammoth. I was like, still a living being, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, she wasn't even an, an adult and, you know, and, and she possibly died a very, very painful death. And it's, it was nice and very emotional to give her back those years that she, she didn't get. And now everybody can come and almost pay homage to her a little bit and, you know, enjoy her life as it was. Well, I'm glad she got put in the Ross Perot Museum because, um, you know, a lot of uh, universities want them and, you know, a lot of big companies and stuff like that. This way she's seen by everyone. It's just not like in one area. People come from all over Dallas to see the Ross Perot Museum. Oh, wow. You know, that's, I mean, that gives me chills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. So I know people probably don't understand what's the difference between an archaeologist and a certified archaeologist. Uh, I mean, archaeologists usually are certified archaeologists. Um, there are people who are amateurs. They don't have any formal education. They haven't taken formal field school who just like to go out and help out. And that's fine, too. Uh, but to be a, a, an archaeologist, you actually have to go through field school. It's not just a degree with archaeology on it. Um, you have to go with a professor and a group of your your classmates and sit in the sun for three weeks and dig and uh, learn how to map all sorts of things like um i remember i was in field school and we had to map this giant hearth which is if anyone doesn't know what that is it's like a a giant fireplace an old-timey fireplace where people cooked and there are probably like 200 bricks in this hearth and part of the job is sitting down and mapping the whole site and we had to learn how to do that and i think i had to map every dimension of every brick in that hearth and to this day it makes me cringe because it's a huge job and you're doing it on graph paper and you've got to get it just right because if you don't your logs your notes from digs are not part of the freedom of information act they're all confidential and if anything goes wrong the landowner wants to sue for something they can be used in court (laughs) so they're court documents and they have to be treated as such and so there's more pressure on top of pressure like, I have to map all these bricks and make sure it's accurate for science. But, oh, no, it's a legal document. <laughs> <laughs> that would have scared me. Like, what if I got one thing wrong, you know? That was really cool. So I know on your field trip you were talking about now all that knowledge you learned on your field trip you used with Mellie May, right? Uh, most of it, yes. Most of it was just digging, and that's that's fairly simple. Um, it's like the, the scene in Jurassic Park. We use the brushes and stuff like that. So it's very technical. <laughs> well, Chris, I know that you want to get your PhD and work with a NASA astronaut program. Can you explain uh, what you want to do with this? 
Oh, man. Um, my master's thesis was geared towards NASA, particularly how um, cameras on the International Space Station may affect mental and physical health. Um, and I, I really do want to work for NASA or any space agency, honestly. It's just, it's so cool. And I'm, I'm hoping to get a, a PhD, um, hopefully in evolutionary biology or evolutionary medicine, as soon as I find a program and, and stuff that I like, uh, research. And uh, I'm definitely, definitely aiming for, for that currently. So once again, I'm going to aim everything for, for NASA and go with it and just be like, I'm here to do your research. <laughs> well, that's great. It sounds awesome. Also too, you know, being a, a woman, does that bother you? Because a lot of men, NASA has a lot of men in their program. It, no, it doesn't bother me at all. NASA has taken great steps to increase the amount of diversity in its workforce. They had a workshop I actually virtually attended um, where they were trying to get as many different people as possible because it's really going to strengthen their idea base. You know, if you want to make a really good rocket, well, someone else may have a better idea than than you. So they definitely want to increase the diversity quota. So I'm not worried at all. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. And we'll have you back when you have your PhD and talk to you more about your programs that you're in and how where you go from there. And it was so nice to have you. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for having me. You have been listening to Your Voice Matters, and we have contact information for Chris Dollinger, and that will be on our website. Thank you. You've been listening to Your Voice Matters with host Rebecca Dollinger. Download the Offbeat Business app to get all the OBBM Network podcasts in the palm of your hand. Find Your Voice Matters on the OBBM Network podcasts in directories everywhere. For guest and sponsor information, call 214-729-6307. That's 214-729-6307.